Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. us here to switch to this focus on kingdom economics. And I'll tell you why. We're dealing with the subject of the grace of God. And probably the subject of the grace of God, in my mind, is a never-ending theme. And while we are dealing thematically with it, or in terms of a series, you must remember in any series we deal with, and there are multiple series on the table there, different topics, in any series we teach, The scope of the principles released do not only relate to that topic. Like There's a series there called Meditation. But if you listen to the eight sessions on the CD, you'll discover a range of issues relevant to the topic, but also spin-offs from the topic. So you mustn't be short-sighted, for example, when you're selecting something to listen. I, I constantly say, like the Passover series there is about 21 or close to 30 sessions, three CDs, So if you think Passover, you're going to think, Passover, should I buy this CD or not? Every series we do, while it's it's themed or topiced, there's a topic, but in it is a range of of various, various things. And so I want to encourage you now, listen carefully. We are dealing with the grace of God in terms of a focus area. And uh, in the grace of God as a theme, invariably there will come various uh, points of emphasis, various points of focus, as the Lord would, would lead us. What, what I feel, and, and there's so much going forward for the rest of the year, I wanted to take the whole month of June and July, because uh, I know myself, this kingdom economics can become a whole two years focus, if I'm not careful. Right? There's so much in the Word of God relevant to that. But I said to the Lord, I don't take forever with this. I want to bang it in two months. Get it done, right? But not just cover it for covering its sake. I want to teach it strongly. Listen carefully, please. I want to teach it strongly and highly impartationally. Not like we've done before whenever we cover this topic. It's going to, be, it's going to change your life. It's going to empower you economically. Amen? I, I say this seriously. God spoke to me. In one of the sessions, when we did with the pastors in one of the afternoons, in my spirit, God, God said to me, I now give you an authority to release this. And then I went back and I started reviewing all the prophecies. I went through several of Vishal Jitnarayan's prophecies. Many of you know Vishal, he came here as a prophet, good friend of ours from the States. And he released certain things that very, uh, are very akin to what Sean released. Sean Blicknote. One of the prophecies that Sean released says, you will be blessed economically. And not just blessed, hugely blessed. And everyone in your sphere. Everyone in your sphere includes you. Right? That includes you and I. Amen? It includes everyone. I need your faith built up. Right? I, need your, I need your mind ready. I need your heart posture. Amen? According to your faith, so it will be unto you. Right? But coupled with the truth of God's word, the faith in your heart 
the signal of the Lord in terms of what He is authorizing us to teach, the accompanying authority to do that, I think with all of those factors in place, you are now, we as a church are now poised to go to the next level economically. I'm not wishing you well that you prosper. It's not a well wish that I hope things improve for you. This is a certainty. This is a promise of God for this house. I have two backings. I have the authority of God's word. And I have a prophetic word in reference to the same. I have an internal unction and a witness in my spirit that this will be so. Whenever you speak of financial issues, people put their backs up against the wall because teach me anything. Teach me Father, Son. Teach me about peace. Teach me meditation. Teach me the primacy of the word. Teach me uh, forgiveness. We've got a whole series there on forgiveness. Teach me the covenants. Teach me grace. Teach me righteousness. But don't teach me money. The moment you touch finances, it's like every devil from every corner starts to lurk at it. Right? And we experienced this. The first day there was somewhat difficult. I sensed the warfare in the atmosphere. But I learned from Pastor Thalma, he, he taught me, Randolph, when you sense that there's a struggle in ministry and you can discern that there's uh, uh, powers against the word you are teaching, ignore them and rely on the authority of God's word. Just speak. And so we spoke, we spoke, we spoke, taught some hard, hard things. And by the second day, I felt such a relief, such an open heaven. So I want to encourage you today, listen carefully. God wants you blessed. God has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Positionally, you are blessed. It's a fact of scripture. It's a fact of truth. You are blessed. Experientially, you've got to walk practically into what is true positionally. So you've got to, you've got to experience what is true of your state in a positional sense. So in Genesis 12... God pronounces Abraham as blessed. I bless you and you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Whoever blesses you, I bless. Whoever curses you, I, I curse. When he offers his tithe to his spiritual father Melchizedek, that's two chapters later in Genesis 14. Remember, uh, Melchizedek blessed Abraham before he offered the tithe. Remember that? Yeah, do you remember this? Uh, when he came back from the war with the kings, from the spoil of... Nine kings. This was the, I, didn't, I only saw this last week. Do you know how much wealth Abraham came back from that war? Four Persian kings overthrew five Palestinian kings, took all of their properties, all of their, their store, all of their people, and took them captive. They took Lot also captive. When Abraham went to rescue Lot, he overthrew kingdoms, four Persian empires. But he came back with the booty of the war from the five plundered kings and having overthrown four Persian kings. He came back with the spoil of nine kings. Abraham did. The Bible calls him a very rich man. Okay? And when he came back, you know what he offered his tithe to? Mel, of all of that, right? please don't be, get envious of Melchizedek in this season for the tithe that he's getting. Right? Offered him a, a tithe of all. Before even, I'll explain the details of this, the story later. He did not tithe to the, secure the blessing. 
because Melchizedek blessed him before he tithed. When he came with the spoil, the Bible first says, and Melchizedek served him bread and wine. And Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, and blessed be God Most High, who has given you victory over all of your enemies today. And he blessed Abraham, and then the Bible says, and Abraham gave him a tithe of all. Okay? The point is, the blessing was activated by fatherly pronouncement. That's why I'm into a lot these days, pronouncing blessing over you. Remember, impartation via verbal proclamation. When we verbally proclaim things, please don't sit there passively. In your heart, your heart must be always full with, with faith. And you say, yes, I receive. I take that. It's not just your, your pastor pronouncing a well wish to you. It's the deliberate impartation of a, of a blessing because you're already blessed in Christ. We know that. But there are patterns and protocols that you must observe in your life to walk practically in that blessed dimension. So, listen carefully. Um, you are going to be prosperous. Tell your neighbor, you are going to be prosperous. I want you to concentrate. Please, a reminder, put your phones on, on, on uh, flight mode. If you can, because uh, it interferes with the recording. Right? You are going to be prosperous, all of you. Right? And I want you to concentrate. I want you to focus. I don't want no one to be distracted in, in these sessions. Please, focus. I want everyone's attention. Right? We are here for a specific purpose. Listen to me carefully. We have a prophetic promise. We have the authority of the scripture concerning our blessed state. It is God's clear intent to bless this house. Right? It's and I'm talking to bless us financially. Right? I will show you next week. I won't get to it now because of time. I will show you next week how the, 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 the posture of economic prosperity is directly linked to the grace of God. I'll demonstrate that to you from the scriptures. Right? But I want you to start thinking because as a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. Okay, And we, we are seeing the blessing of the Lord in ways that literally astound me every single month, every single time. But I, wanna, I want to encourage you, whatever level of economic uh, blessing or well-being you have, I tell you by faith, as a servant of God over you, it's about to go up. It's not because we seek these things ambitiously or we're looking for wealth to accrue it unto ourselves so that we become self-indulgent. And because there's a whole lot of error and snares attendant with that, which I'll demonstrate to you from the Word of God, I'll show you later. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, maybe just look at it now, Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, I think it is, where that scripture that says, it is the Lord your God that giveth thee the, the power, to, is it 8.18? Yes. It's, watch this text. It says, you will remember the Lord your God because it is He who is giving you what? The power to make wealth. Question, where does the power to make wealth come from? It comes from God. Now, I want to encourage us all. This power, this grace, this anointing, this enablement comes upon this house now. Right? And every time I teach on it, and it grows throughout the next week, it's going to increase incrementally. I tell you that as a prophet of God, 
This is your inheritance. This is your inheritance. Do not let your present, if you're owning a business, do not be comfortable with what the state, the present status of, a, of affairs are. Because God's about to break some ceilings, some impasses over you. And God's about to take it to the next level. I promise you by faith, that is the word of the Lord to you. If you're earning a salary and you get X amount, supernaturally, I don't know how this will work, but over the next few weeks and months, God is going to supernaturally break that impasse, right? That, that ceiling. You see, your well-being is not dependent upon your job. Your well-being is dependent upon your father. And if he needs to move principles and processes, move the hearts of people, and even change policies and practices to get you your stuff, he will do so. Amen? That's the, 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 the generous nature of our God. My fear, though, is that if you don't understand the purpose of money, you pursue that, and the thing designed to bless you takes you away from God. Right? Pastor Thamo always taught us, uh, if you have not developed the sufficient amount of spiritual maturity enough to handle huge amount or steward huge, huge amounts of resource, what God gives you will kill you. Therefore, He holds back until you come to a certain level of maturity. Right? Galatians 4 is very clear. So long as the heir is a child, he has need of tutors and guardians. But when the child matures... Um, the father is liberated to give him the fullness of his inheritance. Not so? Does not the, the, the parable of the prodigal son prove this point? That when a son is not ready to steward fatherly inheritance, he will waste it. Right? Now, we don't want you to waste your inheritance in terms of an economic blessing that God is going to give to you. For me to be prosperous, listen carefully, is to have enough for my needs and my wants and to have enough left over to bless. God said to Abraham, I will make you, I will bless you. Watch Genesis 12. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. God is saying, I'll bless you for you, but I'll bless others through you. So you're going to be a channel of blessing. I mean, how many of you, I know some of your personal circumstances, how many of you sometimes sit, and let's say a call, like we, we, we sold 120,000 rand at ALS, now this, this past, and there was a call made for you to sell. How many of you sit there and you say, if only I had more, I will give. Right? I know that's many people's heart. I know, if I know most of this congregation, most of you are not stingy. You're not reluctant. You want to, you want to. And God honors that. And, and God is saying, if that is your desire, I will give you the resource. I declare over you today, you will have enough for you, your family, for both your needs and your wants. Don't discount wants. I'll talk more about that later. Because God will give you the desires of your hearts. I believe those desires must be God-initiated, though. Right? Because God will bless your need and your wants. God does not support greed. 
So be careful there. Right? God does not support greed. But you're going to have sufficient for yourself and enough left over such that you can bless others. Right? Both the servants of God, your Father in the Lord, your brothers and sisters, like Galatians says, do good to the household of faith. Do good to all men, sorry, that's the scripture. To be good to all people. So you will learn to bless even the saved and the unsaved. But it says especially, everyone say especially. It says especially those in the, the house of, of faith, the house of God. Okay? But if you don't learn how grace works in the life of a person. I was teaching there and the day before God said to me, Give your watch to Pastor Almeida. Pastor Almeida is one of the pastors there. And I dismissed the fact. I thought, Lord Jesus, I can't go back to Durban without a watch. You know why? Because you gave me that watch in the previous one I gave. And you gave me this, the, the one I had on for last year, Father's Day. I said, Lord, what will the people think? When I gave the watch away, the Lord said to me, now I give you time. You gave time away or someone to make sense of time. And now I will lengthen your days in the earth. I had a distinct word from God that my days in the earth will be lengthened. I will lengthen your days in the earth so you can push my purposes. And you know, um, so I, I had that impression the one day. I went home, I just dismissed that. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking it's me. Maybe just me thinking because there's two major pastors, three, three senior pastors there, Costa Almeida, Joachim, and Pastor Piva. And... I was thinking, maybe I'm thinking because the last time I gave Costa the watch. Now I'm thinking I must even things out and give this other guy the watch. And all you, it's amazing how your mind plays games with you. And let me just say this. If you work things out too much, like, rationally, all the ducks must be in the row. Sometimes you can miss God. Right? So the next morning, oh, Sean, we came up. We just had started the session. Hi, guys. Good morning. I introduced the subject. And I say, and we're going to uh, start to practice generous giving. As I said that, the Lord says, start now. Start right now. I said, uh, okay, turn. I said, I lifted this. I lifted it at the back of my head. I said, guys, turn to the scripture. and do the scripture. And the Lord said, start now. I said, okay. And I took it off. I said, but before we go to the scripture, I want to bless this brother with the watch. And, and I carried on like nothing. I said, let's carry on teaching. I want to encourage you, in the instant God speaks to you, obey I have discovered, especially in the matter of giving, if you leave it too long, uh, you start to rationalize and it, it just somehow, you never get to the place of obeying God in the time that God has, has instructed you to do. Okay? So, um, I know that the, the generosity in this house is about to increase. You, we're going to be known as some of the most generous people on the planet. Amen. And you know, there's huge blessing in this. I can't, you know, I'm dying to get to the kernel of this teaching, but I can't go there right now. Get there in a few weeks. But I'm preparing your, your spirits for what God is going to do with us. This verse says, oh, where is it? <laughs> but you shall... Uh, please, your homework today is to read and study Deuteronomy chapter 8. This whole passage, this whole chapter is such a powerful chapter. You know what God in context says to them? When you come into the land, I took you out of Egypt. I've given you a land flowing with 
hills and valleys, uh, watered by the God of the heavens. In Egypt, you watered it with your, with your foot. Now the heavens are going to, and you're going to be uh, uh, living in houses you never built, fields you never plowed, you're going to enjoy. And you're going to have this abundance. And God says, but wait, guys, you will remember what? It is the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. It is He who is giving you the, the power to make wealth that He might confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers. That He might confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers. Now, if you don't understand the purpose of wealth, either it will not come to you to steward or when it comes you will abuse it. Or when it comes, it will work in contradiction to the purpose of God in you. It could possibly destroy you. Paul warned Timothy to instruct those. He says, instruct the rich. That they must be aware of, of riches and its capacity to ensnare. Right? And by it, many hearts become grieved and become pricked. Okay? So there's a, there's a danger element here. But God wants to develop sufficient character. According to this verse, what is the purpose of wealth? To establish His? Come on, say to establish His covenant. Now listen to this. Uh, I wrote this in my Kingdom Economics Manual. It's on my website if you want to download it. Listen carefully. God's covenant. It's amazing Jeremy spoke of covenants this morning. God's covenant is to raise up a people in His image and likeness. We will accurately represent Him and enforce His authority in all dominions of the earth. Listen carefully. What's God's covenant? God's covenantal heart, listen carefully, is to raise up a people which He would call His sons. Those people will be in His image and likeness. That group, called the sons of God, is going to accurately represent their father, in every single sector and domain in life. God's covenant is the empowering of His people for the absolute release of the kingdom in all the affairs of men. Everyone say the empowering of His people. You see, whenever you think covenant, I like what the, the emphasis that Jeremy brought. It always has God as the subject. It's always has God as the, the focus. And God draws men into that reality. So it's His will. It's His initiative. It's His will that must be done. Right? So if God draws you in and says, I will empower you financially because I have a covenant that I want to establish in the, the earth, then the purpose of your wealth is to push that purpose. Is to ensure that God's intent, listen carefully, firstly to save people, save the lost, Raise them up to maturity such that His image and likeness will be so strong in all of them that wherever these sons of God are anywhere in the world, in every sector, every domain of society, they will infect that domain with the kingdom, with the rule and the, the reign of God in that domain. Right? And Alocha, just let me just finish this, Alocha as well. Um, his glory or nature will cover the earth. God's covenant involves a people that are aligned to Him and a world, watch, please listen carefully, 
You've got to listen to this. God's covenant involves a people that are aligned to Him and a world that must be redemptively impacted. People aligned to Him and a world that must be redemptively impacted, influencing the entire course of life on the planet. Is that a big deal? That's a very big deal, right? Right? Now, please hear my heart. So, according to God's intent in His, in his heart, covenantly, He wants to redeem the world. The world must be redemptively impacted. Uh, tell your neighbor, become redemptively relevant. So, we're going to win the lost at any cost. Listen to me. We are going to win the lost at any cost. God's been speaking to my heart about evangelism, about winning souls. The world must be redemptively impacted. This is core to the covenantal agreement within God. He wants a people that He will call His own. Those He foreknew, He also um, predained, pre foreordained that they might be conformed to the image of His Son, that He would be firstborn in many brethren. Okay? Tell your neighbor we're going to impact the world redemptively. Come on, say it again. We're going to impact the world redemptively. Again, I want to say it again. We're going to reach the lost and teach the lost. My heart is twofold. Win them. Bring them in. Train them up to maturity. Win them. Bring them in. Educate them. Disciple them. So that they, they, they can grow to maturity and start to steward the purposes of God in their respective spheres and domain. When you read a verse of scripture like this, confirm his covenant. His covenant is to impact the world redemptively. His covenant is to raise up people in his likeness and his, and his image. Amen. And I want to encourage you, all of you, to be strongly motivated to win the lost. I think in most apostolic circles, this dynamic is sadly lacking. I want to encourage you, start to witness in your sphere, wherever you are in your domain. Preach the gospel. Present Christ and Him crucified. Yeah? Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of... What is the power of God? The gospel. Tell me, the gospel is the power of God. Amen? I'm right now preparing a whole series of messages on basic salvation. And I realized, well, you know when, I, when we travel, you realize how lost the world is? What serious trouble the world is? And it's only the message of the gospel of Christ that has the power to redeem men. Eh? Amen? Everyone say God wants to establish covenant. But you know, all kingdom initiatives need money. So if the Lord's going to bless you, this is what I want, I want you to please consider. If God has got this blessing in store for this house, through Sean's prophecy, he said, we will be wealthy. And he said it, uh, now he said it as, as far back as eight years ago. He said the pin code over this house is wealth. He even said wealth and buildings. But if the Lord can give us power to get wealth, we must make certain that we know what the objective of that wealth is for. It's to establish His covenant, a covenant that involves redemptively impacting mankind 
and, and grooming men and women into the image and the likeness of God so that men can impact their spheres with kingdom advancement, the rule and the reign of Christ in every sector of society. That is the purpose of the kingdom. Amen. The purpose of getting wealth is to establish His kingdom. If, if God can't get money through you, He will not get money to you. If He knows you're going to damn things up and it's going to stop with you and you're not going to be a steward of, of, of kingdom assets, then is very little, what He gives, let me just say God will always give. He's such a good God. He's gracious. But we want to go to the next level where God can see, no, we are faithful stewards of finance. Okay? The one principle I really want to embed in our hearts is something Pasatamo taught us. Is this principle, and now I'm lodging principles inside your psyche, inside your mind. None of us must ever be this way minded, that I own things. From today, I dispossess you of all ownership. You don't own nothing. Even if you own things and it's in your name, your house, your car, etc. Before the Lord, you own nothing. So we want to cancel the principle of personal ownership and we want to reinstall the principle of stewardship. Now, a steward is defined in some respects as the person who manages and has responsibility over assets that are not directly his, but they belong to another. So that then, if God says to you, give the watch away, you have no right to say, my watch. God says, my watch. You are just stewarding my assets. Not your, tell you that, not your watch. <laughs> now please don't go away. Don't go and give watches away today, right? <laughs> you know, God said to me, Oh, by the way, do you remember if Abraham came back with the wealth of nine kings? He came back an extremely wealthy man. People struggle with 10% tithe. Do you know what Abraham did? The king of Sodom met him and wanted claim for the goods and the people for the city of Sodom. It seems like Abraham simply ignored him. He says, just hang on, bro. Remember, Abraham was also a king in his own right over Hebron. Where's Abraham living in? Hebron. And the Bible says he went, he, he ignores the king of Sodom and he goes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek pulls out bread and wine and he serves Abraham bread and wine. Bread is a symbol of the word. Wine is a symbol of the revelation of the word. Right? And so the father is replenishing the son with, with grace. Blesses him, blesses God most high, possesses of heaven and earth, blesses Abraham of, of God most high. Abraham opens the booty. And the Bible says, and he, I like what it says, and he gave him a tithe of all. Everyone say all. Right? Then the Bible says, he came back and he gave portions to Ana, Eskol, and Mamre. Those were the three brothers that helped him in the war. Then the Bible says, he gave his men a share, some to eat. And the balance he returned to the kings. He gave 100% away. He kept nothing for himself. You know what he said to the king of Sodom? Lest you say, I made Abraham rich. He says, I will not be enriched by any king. My father will take. I mean, if, if, 
if, that, if Abraham were some people today, and you come back with that volume of wealth, you're going to give it away, and your confidence is, my father will take care of me. Don't worry. It will never be said. Abraham said, it will never be said that the king of Sodom made Abraham rich. Right? But it, he always put the emphasis back on the, back on the Lord. Okay? Always put it back on the Lord. So if you're going to be, if we're going to come to this place, we're going to be some of the most giving persons that we know. But you're going to be challenged. You, you know why? Colossians 1 verse 13 says, put up on the board, says that we've been rescued out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son. I like the word rescue, eh? We've been delivered or we've been rescued, the NASB says, out from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son or the Son of His love or His beloved Son, as this version says. Okay? So when, when you get saved, you transferred kingdoms. You left one realm of existence, and you literally got to transfer into another. Now, in the world, the world is largely known as Babylon. Right? Now let me explain what Babylon is, because I will make constant reference to it throughout this, throughout this series. Babylon represents, listen carefully, a worldly, political, economic, and religious systems of governments that are in direct opposition and contradiction to the spiritual operation of God's kingdom. It's a worldly, everyone say worldly. Say political. Economical. And religious system. Whenever you think Babylon, you don't only think the world. Because some of Babylon is in religion. It is worldly. It is political. It is financial or economic. And it's also a religious system of operation or government that is in direct, it's opposed to, and it's in contradiction to the operating system of God's kingdom. The world has a financial policy, but God too has a financial policy. In Babylon or the world, it says to go up, you must trample on everybody to get ahead. In the kingdom of God, it says promotion comes from the Lord. He sets up one, He puts down one, and if you want to go up, you must go down. And the world says, if you want to go up, keep going up and push down everybody else on your way up. Right? The, the, the kingdom says, no, don't seek your own good. Seek the good of others. Humble yourself. Right? Go down. He who humbles himself, I will, I will lift up, says the Lord. So everything about Babylon is in contradiction to the, to the world. The, uh, the Babylonian system says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Right? Uh, the, the, the kingdom says, uh, when men curse you, ridicule you, bless them, pray for them, don't retaliate. Yeah? The world says someone did you in, strive to revenge and repay them. The, the, the kingdom says, no, forgive. Set them, set them free, forgive. Financially, Babylon operates by buying and selling. 
financially, the kingdom operates by giving and receiving. By giving and receiving. Now, here's the quandary we have. Let's say, um, can we use the two of you? Stand, stand here. This is mother and daughter, right? My niece and my niece are... Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, right? So Lillian is saved. Uh, you saved, you sure? Just make it. <laughs> now, can we get... Okay, let's, let's put... Okay, you, you saved, you're not saved, right? You be rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and you're in the kingdom. You're still in the kingdom of the world unrescued. Do not, does not know Christ, functions by Babylonian culture, Babylonian principles, etc. So, so now you say, eh, and you come into the kingdom, and you now start to grow, and you realize, wow, principles governing this realm are vastly different to principles governing that realm. And then you, you have a pastor that teaches you you must tithe. Right? Now you are both earning 10,000 rand a month. You're earning 10,000, you're earning 10,000. And your pastor teaches you, you must tithe before taxation. Hallelujah, sister. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you must tithe before taxation. Right? So you get 10,000 rand a month and you give 1,000 rand tithes. Then he still says to you, but you must also give offerings. Because wherein have you robbed me, declares the Lord. Not just in tithes, in tithes and offerings. And you determine that, and you read scriptures like, him who gives must give as God has prospered him in his heart. Give according to your ability. Give beyond your ability. I'm quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 8. right? Give sacrificially like Abel gave in faith. Give in faith. And then you say, okay, a bit hard. Well, now let's, and let's say you decide you're going to give 10% offerings. 10% tithe, 10% offerings. How much are you giving per month? 2,000 rand. Then your father said, hey, you must start practicing first fruits. You say, Aish. what is this kingdom economic system all about? What's happening? You know what God is doing? God is delivering you from that system. Yeah. This system says, give, or rather keep, 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 save. Uh, you must also save there, by the way. Right? Uh, keep, 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 fend for yourself. You're a self-made person. Uh, you, you gotta, all your ducks got to be in a row. This God... When God instructs you to give, God is dispossessing you of the things you think you possess. And He's putting all your attention on Him as your source and as your provider. What is tax on 10,000 more or less? I don't know. Should be about. Let's just make a rough figure. Let's say tax is about 1,000 or more. Eh? 2,000? 2,000? Okay. 2,000. So they both get 10,000 per month. The unsaved sister here that needs redemption in Jesus' name, <laughs> she must get 10,000 and the, the SARS takes off 2,000. She has 8,000 rand left in the month to take care of the needs. This poor sister here gets 10,000. She's giving 1,000 of uh, tithes. She's giving 1,000 offering. And then the tax man takes his. She's got how much left? 6,000. But at the end of the day, God says, I will prove to you, especially in reference to this sister, right, how that if you trust me and blindly obey my laws and principles, see I will open the windows of heaven upon you 
and I will pour you out such a blessing, you will not have room enough to, room enough to contain it. So the point I want to make is this. If you are rescued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, you are still, now come stand in front of him. You are still in the world. You haven't left the planet. You still have an earthly government that you must obey its laws, especially taxation laws, not so? You still got to do those things. So the son of God is doubly taxed because he's got two realms. He's in the world, but he's not of the world. But he has a citizenship in another realm with its own economic policies that the unsaved are not part of. And when they look at us, they say, how on earth do you people manage? When you have the courage to obey God's system, God will take care of you. Do you know what the word Babylon means? Strictly speaking, the word Babylon means confusion. Yeah? Remember Babel, the Tower of Babel? How God brought confusion to their languages because they were of one heart, one soul. And even, even, even the Lord says, these people are so one, they will reach the heavens. So God confused the languages to, dis, to disperse the people. So Babel, Babylon means confusion. Everyone say confusion. The root word is Babil. Everyone say Babil. It's B-A-B-I-L. Babil literally means the gate of God. The gate of God. What is a gate in Scripture? It speaks of authority. speaks of power. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Whenever you read of gate, you think access and authority. So Babil, Babylon, confusion, literally in the kernel of its meaning, means it provides an avenue or a gate for God to come through. The meaning over the years, degenerated to this. It means, Babylon, the gate for demonic spirits. What was intended as an access point for God became an access point for the gods, small g. Right? For the gods, small g. And so I want to encourage you. Do you know what? Let me just quickly put uh, Genesis 28. Just read from about verse 15 or 16. Just go back up where, where this dream starts. I'll take five minutes and then we'll close. One more up. Just one more. This is Jacob having a dream. Please, I want you to read this and catch the principle. He came to a certain place and he spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and he, and he lay down in that place. So the stone became a pillow. Right, a pillow. Verse 12, he had a dream. So it was Jacob dreaming. The dream went like this. A ladder on the earth, the top of the ladder of the ladder reaches the, the heavens. What does he say? You see, angels of God were doing what? Were they descending and ascending or were they ascending and descending? So where was the point of origin? The earth. Angels ascend and descend. So this is not a reference to celestial winged angels. The word angel here is the Greek or the Hebrew agalos, angelos, means a messenger carrying a divine message. Paul to the Galatian church says, when I came to you, you received me as an angel of God. 
all the churches in Revelation 4, to the angel at the church at Laodicea, right? To the angel at the church at Smyrna, right? Every letter was addressed to an angel. An angel is a spiritual father, a leader of a group of spiritual sons carrying a divine message. What do I do as your angel? I ascend. God speaks. I descend to deliver the message. This is, the, this is what he's seeing here. Angels ascending, touching another realm, coming down and descending. Verse 11, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood where? Above it. So at the top of the ladder which reaches the heavens, there is the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. Same thing he said to Abraham, not so? The, 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 the word is now reconfirmed. It was reconfirmed in Isaac. It's now reconfirmed in Jacob. Same promise. You will spread out to the west, to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I'm with you. I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He's having profound experiences, but he can't make cognitive, intelligible sense of what's going on. But he knows something divine, divine exchange has occurred here. Verse 6, 17, he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than what? Come on, say the house of God. This guy is a revelation of the church. The word here is bayith. That will become the church or the family of God in the New Testament. He says, wow, I have just seen what the house, the family of God is going to be like in the end time. Right? And he says, and this is what? Come on, say the gate of heaven. What's the gate of heaven? The house. This is not just a church. Our coming together is not just so we can have a nice social club. We are providing access for men to God and for God to men. This is a conduit. That's why the gates of hell, Jesus said, will not prevail against this gate. Yeah? Tell your neighbor, welcome to the gate. Gate Ministries, Durban Central, by the way. <laughs> I was so pleased. Fiona's dad just bought a big farm nearby, nearby where they're a few kilometers away. And they're now renovating it for, uh, for various purposes. There's an airstrip there, and there's a whole section they want to do uh, in terms of dorms and a training facility for pastors. Right? And you know what they're calling it? What's the present name of it? Do you know? The Zulu name or the whatever native language is that? Um for something. I forgot. There's some name, right? But they're putting the word gate in front of them. They say, this is gate so-and-so. Right? When, I, when, I, when, I, when I heard that, I heard this on, on yesterday actually, that the name is going to be gate. I said, wow. And to my mind, God is saying, I now have legal access. I have a, a portal, a gate to which to come through and to train the ministers and to educate the people there in the ways of the Lord. When you invite people to church, Tell them this. Welcome to Gate. 
But you're not saying, you're not, you're not thinking Gate Ministry is our name. You're saying, welcome to a context where everything in heaven will come down to you, touch you, resource you. Jacob says, wow, this is not just a dream. This is the house of God and the gate of heaven. Now, check what it, what it says next. It says verse 18. Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone, everyone say stone, that he put under his head and he set it up as a pillar. The stone was a pillow. He made the stone a pillar. Alright? By the principle of rest. You know what the word stone is in the Hebrew? Eben. Everyone say Eben. Right? Eben. What is Ben? Sun. What's the principle that's going to give you rest? Sonship. If you come into sonship, you cease all your labors. Yeah? You begin to rest in the Lord. Not so? Come on, who's in sonship? Yeah? Who's the son of God here? God is your father. Hallelujah. The moment he says, wow, this is quite significant. And you know what he did? He anointed it and he poured oil on it, on its top. Next point. He called the name of that place what? This is the first time you read Bethel in the whole Bible. What does Bethel mean? The house of God. You call the name Bethel. Previously, its name had been called, called Luz, place of the almond, place of budding, place of profuse productivity. Next point. Now, Jacob, typical, he's not Israel yet, to understand the guy. Please, just remind your neighbor he's not Israel yet. <laughs> His name will be changed later, right? So he's still got this like bargaining businessman kind of thing in him. So he says, wow, God, okay, here's the deal. If you, God, will be with me and keep me on this journey that I take, he's running away from his angered brother Esau, whom he's just defrauded out of the birthright, and give me some food to eat and garments to wear, then what? I And return to my father's house in, in safety or peace, then the Lord will be my God. Listen carefully. Is he running away from Isaac's house, is he? Why? Why? Cheated a brother out of the birthright. Question, is the birthright his, legally? Yes. When the boys were born, it says, the older will serve the... It was God's determine. It was God's determination. Yeah? Right? Do you know, listen, please, you've got to pay attention. Do you know that God sovereignly decided... That Jacob will be firstborn and not Esau? Whose decision was that? The boys did not have to. There's a lovely verse somewhere in Romans 11, somewhere, or 13. It says something like this that even before Jacob or Esau did any works, God decided that. So did he have to strive to get it? Did he have to pull strings to get it? Did he have to manipulate to get it? But now he's enduring the results. Of trying to access something that is legitimately his, but doing it with a carnal methodology. I hear the Lord. The Lord is saying to you, relax. Tell someone rest. Come on, just relax. Tell someone chill. I, I want to say this to you. If something is yours, it will come. Do not, the, 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 the means doesn't justify the end. Don't say, because it's mine, I can do whatever I want to get it. It was Jacob's, but he did the wrong thing to get what was his. Just rest, excuse me, rest and trust God that God sovereignly is going to provide. 
You know, I'm at a completely new level of rest today. This recent season has been tremendously a blessing. God gave me a whole lot of messages about rest and grace, which I'll share with you sometime. But I want to encourage you, what is yours will come to you. Keep your heart pure. Keep obedient. It will come to you. But what is he convinced? Watch. When he says this word, I am going to return to my... He says, God, you're going to bring me back because I know if I run away from fatherly environments, for 20 years he would run away, by the way. 20 years in Uncle Laban's house. Remember? And remember when he ran from Laban after 20 years. Okay, he got Rachel, he got Liam, he's married, he got some kids. Uh, and he, in his own testimony, he says, when I left, I left as one person. But later on you read this, he says, when I came back, I came in with a mighty band. Right? After 20 years, let me just say this. When he left Laban, you know what Laban said to him? Laban ran after him because he left without permission at night. Laban was angry. He says, why have you left me? And he gave his reasons. And Laban said to him, I have seen all the while that you were with me, how you longed for your father's house. How there was this. You knew while you were blessed, because while he was there, God blessed him. You're, let me say this. The fact that right now some of you are blessed and being well taken care of does not legitimate that that scenario is God's will for you. Don't be fooled. Jacob was fooled for 20 years. And then he said, I've got to make... You know why? Because only in the Father's house will the purposes of the Lord begin to to transpire and work themselves out. So he makes this pledge to God. Wow, Father, I'm paraphrasing, right? I've just seen the house of the Lord. I see how you work with fathers. Everyone say fathers. He's just seen the angel representation of fathers ascend. Get resource, come down. And he says, I'm right here. This is the house. This is the gate, but I'm still going. And he makes a pledge. If you be with me, give me clothes, give me food, I, and bring, I like this, and return me back in safety, which would be 20 years later. Let me just say this. I sense the Lord saying this. Never express any form of ministry unless you are completely fathered. Never align to anybody else in ministry unless they are fathered. You know why? Do you remember when Saul went up and he met a group of prophets coming down the hill? What had happened? He started to prophesy. Remember there was one man there, the Bible says, and a man was there and he asked one question. Who is there? Father. Are they accountable to anyone? Are they getting resource from anyone? Is anyone watching over the soul and guiding, right? So I want to encourage you, this is a very important principle. But check what he says now. The stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. So God's house is a group of sons, Eben, sonship in the house, right? And then he says, all that, I like this. He says, everything you give me, God, I will surely give a tenth to you. Question, did, does Jacob vow to tithe? Yes. This is a vow. He's saying, okay, you do that, I do this. If you're with me, give me clothes, give me raiment, bring me back to my father's house. Everything you give me, I will surely give a, a tenth to you. I don't want to comment on Jacob's motivation here. Because he's still got that supplanter, negotiator, 
thing in him. That's one thing. But uh, later on when we do the study on tithing, I will show you the outcome of this. The outcome of this. He, in his own words, uh, he said, I went, in with a, I went out with a stick in my hand. I ran away. But he says, I've come back with multiple goods. And I've come back to the place where I made the vow to you to tithe. Let me ask you the question, why does he tithe? Amidst other reasons, I think it's this. He tithed out of a revelation of the house of God. His tithe was motivated by what he saw is in the house, what the house represents, the power of the house, the gate dynamic of that house. The authority is gate, the access point, the capacity for God to ratify His covenant, express His covenant, impact the world redemptively, win the lost, teach the lost. He saw all of this. This is the house. Then He says, if this is what it's about, my only response is, whatever you put in my hand, I don't need a revelation. I only need a calculator. Times 10% is equal to God. It's yours. He says, Tell you, you don't need a revelation, you need a calculator with batteries. Do you know what? The mandate on the house, everyone say the house. You see, this is a house, but this house is part of a, a bigger house that's got nations at its heart. Want to impact? Nations, okay? Just come back from Mozambique, we're going to Zambia this week to impact the nations of the earth. If you are, have a true understanding that what's going to give you rest, the, the stone that became a pillar, a pillow, meant Eben was sonship. You must say, I must come into sonship. Yes, divine sonship and spiritual sonship in reference to a spiritual father. Then I guarantee you, every single purpose of God for you, unique to you, relevant to your person, will suddenly come to the fore so long as it's linked to the overarching purpose of that house. What's the overarching purpose of this house? The covenant is to re impact the world redemptively, to win the lost, to teach them, draw them up into the image and the likeness of, of God, right? And to inherit the nations that God has in store for us. He said in Psalm 2, You are my son. This day ask me, and I will give the nations for you, to you, as your inheritance. But he first said, he did not just say, ask. What does he say first? Today you are my son. Sonship before asking for nations. Today ask me the nations for your inheritance. And I will, I will give. Tell your neighbor, have a revelation of the house of God. Do you value the house? Do you value this house? If your heart is to value this house, what should burgeon in your heart? You say, God, I will now finance the house. I'm not financing the house. My tithes, my offerings, my first fruits is to honor you. Yeah? Repeat after me. All that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Come on, say this. is Jacob. says, all that you give me, I will surely give. A tenth to you. Amen. But don't even live with the tenth as your standard. Go beyond. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for this word. The gates of Babylon, the gates of hell will not prevail against the gates and the authority of the church of God in the last days. We lift our hands to you, Father, to acknowledge your goodness and your grace. I pray great blessing upon the house. Father, I've just been obedient to share what you wanted me to share. Even though I'm not inclined to share it right now. But I've obeyed your prompting. Now come and start to increase the grace allotment to give and for excellent financial stewardship upon the house even now in the name of Jesus. I've done and said all of these things at thy word, according to your word, according to your prompting. I now leave it to you and rely upon you that signs and wonders will follow this word. I bless your people on your behalf. It's your clear intent to bless us. And so we receive the grace for, be, for obedience and to obey this word by faith. I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen.